Another installment of Show to View with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Mescal, Tiki, Chicago, Austin, filmmaking, writing, and so much more with today's guest, the brilliant Emma Jansen from Imbibe Online and the author of the James Beard Foundation nominated book, Mescal, the history, craft, and cocktails of the world's ultimate artisanal spirit. We recently sat down in San Antonio. Emma and I have known each other for years as she was a writer for the Austin Statesman here. We talked about life and went back and forth about why this interview had not happened sooner. So finally, we get to sit down, drink some mezcal, eat some tacos in San Antonio, and discuss life. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Emma Jansen. I think I've gotten so used to being on the creative side and not necessarily, well, and maybe not even that, but like having time to finesse a message right. instead of doing it spontaneously. Oh, it's a great point. Yeah. You can be in the lab yeah. and crafting a paragraph. Totally. Right? Does it? And I do, and I spend like tons of time editing. Yeah. Like I'm a much better editor than I am a writer. So I spend loads of time like making sure everything is right, you know, and you can't do that in person no you really can't <laughs> some people though you know you have this veneer of a brand for a lot of folks and the interesting thing is you having been a freelance writer having worked for a newspaper working for a vibe and then of course now an author you are your own brand so there is no message yeah. necessarily that that you have to put out there except like i'm emma and it's i true. do this thing yeah something that that was funny we were talking about you being on tour for this book mm. and Someone said this the other day, too, to me about how the press kind of sucks at asking questions. <laughs> how has that been? How is, as a journalist and someone that's like, I was already there and you guys are asking me this shit? Yeah. How is it? On the other side? Um, you think they're doing a good job, in other words? It is funny because it, it does get very, like, self-reflexive. Yeah. Um, I actually think uh, being on this end has made me a better journalist because now I ask better questions. Especially when it comes to things like books, because I, you know, I had a lot of inquiries about it that were basically like I could tell they didn't read it yeah. and they were just asking very general questions, you know, How like does that to make kind you of feel as a journalist that they're just I get it. it in. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Yeah. Everyone's busy. Um, well, fuck that, man. It's not that long of a book. <laughs> you well, can probably sit down and read it like, in like an hour or two. Yeah. Um, so. I, yeah, I, I suppose it is a little bit annoying, but um, it has motivated me to be less lazy. Yeah. Which is good. It's weird. Yeah, I walked into a room yesterday when I was going to do some interviews for William Grandsons, and there were some guys in there from Austin, actually, that mm. were journalists, and the stuff they were asking, I'm like, you guys, could, you've probably been doing this for years, but you're not very good at it. Yeah. It's like, well, what does this taste like? What is mezcal? Yeah. What is the most interesting type of question that you get? about the book while you've been on the road? Um, 
I don't know that I've had that many interesting <laughs> questions asked. No, I mean, I think, you know, people want to know, um, like, why I did it. Yeah. I think that's the biggest question is, like, wh- you know, why question. Mezcal? Right. Um, when I could, you know, in theory, write about anything. And I, and I do write about, you know, most beverages. Right. Um, so, like, what was it about Mezcal? Um, more of those inspiration kind of what it inspired yeah. you. Would, I like that. That's a little more deep encourages yeah. you to think about it. All right, so we're going to take a step back then because okay. I've been thinking about your time in Austin. I didn't realize you lived in Colorado. We just kind of talked about that last night. But the best thing, and somehow the thing that comes to mind always with you is that you have dual citizenship. Yeah. <laughs> How <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> this, this British heritage, yeah. does it surface? Do you still feel very akin to the motherland? I mean, yes. You know, it's funny because... I haven't spent a ton of time over there, mm. not nearly as much as I would like. Um, but you know, I, I grew up in this in this household. Um, you know, and my mom is very British, and that mm-hmm. whole side of the family is. Um, and so, you know, I I joke like that when I drink, I get a little bit of an accent. I like <laughs> that though. Yeah, it's because. Um, Late I mean, I kind of grew up. Or yeah, yeah, like I grew up in pubs though. Like oh. you know, not necessarily drinking. Um, when I was underage in actual pubs, but, um, you know, events like my high school graduation party was at an Irish pub. Um, like when I went over to Ireland, um, with my grandmother, when I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12, she would go to bed and I'd stay up all night in the pub with like all the people (laughs) who we were with and, you know, there's music and, and it's family and it's community. And so, um, I, uh, I think that's why I get into that headspace. Sure. I mean... It sounds like already you were born into the hospitality industry, if not literally. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think I think so. I think if you look at that, um, you know, our, our family traditions, when we get around yeah. <laughs> uh, each other, we just kind of sit around and, and drink and talk. And, that's amazing. And, like, that's it, right? I and wish like, I had that, actually. You know, we do now mm-hmm. with my family, but my, yeah. my folks were not really big drinkers, you know. But were you actually born in the UK then? No. Okay. No, so I was born in Austin. Oh, that's mm-hmm. you. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you moved though to Colorado. So I moved around. What was a that lot. about? Yeah. I moved around a lot. Um, my uh, dad works in mental health. Okay. Um, like at the administrative level at sure. mental health hospitals, and um, so that meant we moved around a lot. There's a lot of high turnover in that kind of a role. Oh, I didn't realize that. Um, and you know most cities only have one or two hospitals. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I was born in Austin. Uh, lived in. Ohio briefly, lived in Florida briefly, where my brother was born, and then we yeah. How old is your brother now? So he's oh, he's like twenty eight. Yeah, just just shy. Yeah. Yeah, he just had a birthday, so I'm pretty sure he's twenty eight. That's amazing. So (coughs) it is kind of like the military brat moving around. Kind of right. Yeah, because then we were in Virginia, and then we were in West Texas, and then Colorado. I actually didn't realize it was so many different places. So, but you ultimately ended up high school in Colorado yeah middle school and high school school and and Colorado and then I went to CU Boulder for a year really and then I transferred down to UT back in Austin and that's amazing yeah and I was in Austin for about eight years before so you know during this period of which you middle school to high school is nice you have like this nice stint it's not broken you're not moving Mm -hmm. around as much just makes that kind of difficult but were you finding yourself pretty inclined to express yourself via the word and the page or were there other ways in which you're like maybe I want to do music maybe I want to paint yeah I mean it's actually it's always been hard to narrow um, 
narrow things down, at least in my brain. Yeah. Um, so I went to film school. What? I oh, yeah, I was an RTF major. major, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize um, it was the film part. I thought maybe it was the broadcast. Yeah. Piece. No, it was, it was the film part. And um, I was kind of split during college. I really wanted to do... Um, I was really interested in editing, yeah. like film editing. Sure. I loved it. Um, I was also really interested in art direction. Really? And like I worked in the... in. Um, a few art departments on like some local you know films oh, that were shot in Texas that. that's and, awesome um, yeah <coughs> any real big influences aesthetically in the film space because we're going to have to talk about sure. that sure I mean well I'm drawn to people with a strong voice yeah so strong visual voice bit, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, Tim Burton of was course. when I was you know in high school he was everything so quintessential Tim Burton not favorite but quintessential what do you think for him oh I mean Edward Scissorhands comes Which to one? mind Edward Scissorhands. Oh, yeah. yeah. Beetlejuice. I mean, like that whole period, right? The yeah. 80s and early yeah. 90s for him. It's kind of yeah, his early stuff was kind of really... amazing. Anyone else? Um, oh, who else? I feel like I, ha- I haven't thought about it in a while. I know. It's, 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 we don't realize these things actually have influenced us aesthetically. Right. And then we go back like, oh, wait, I'm yeah. here now. But that was actually watching Beetlejuice in 88 or whatever. Totally. That totally changed my perspective on the use of black in a wardrobe or something. You yeah, know? but this drives you so much to actually pursue it as a career potentially. Yeah, at UT. Were you thinking I would like to, or a combination edit? You mentioned that, but did you ever think about filming and writing your own movie? I was not. I was not so much interested in like in that whole I'm going to make my own movie thing. Yeah, I wanted to work in an art department gotcha. or work behind the scenes or you know work with people yeah. to do. Um, I was less interested in authorship, ironically, yeah. in the in the cinema world, anyway. Um, as much as I was, you know, crafting, like helping make that world come to life. Yeah, it's interesting. Basically. Yeah, it's kind of like being the person that's a conduit from a place to a screen, in a way. Mm. The person that brings these things to life. Yeah, in a sense, like Mescal does. Right, right? it's this transportative well, and it, thing, and it is related, like to writing. I mean, that's a lot of what I do. Yeah. You know now, um, so it, it's all it ends it's up being connected. related. Yeah. What did your mom do? What was her line of work? Because I think about your dad and the mental health thing. It's yeah. A more analytical. You know. So she's also in um, in psychology. Oh. In the psychology field, but she's an author. No way. Uh, yeah. Oh, this, all, this, all, this yeah. all making some sense. Though. So she um, she has written volumes of. Uh, like encyclopedia style yeah and uh when i was little she used to give me manuscripts to like copy edit basically yeah and and i remember thinking like like mom i don't understand what any of this means (laughs) cognitive dissonance and there are a lot of words here but you're missing a comma there (laughs) you know like so um yeah so i guess that makes sense too. it does make sense yeah talk about people's heads Mm -hmm. talk about it a little more in a creative sense Here's an interesting question. You know, my mom fancied she was she was also a psych nurse, actually. Mm-hmm. And we moved around a little bit, not because of my father's job, but there was one element about my mom that I'll never forget, and I feel like it's transformed and very apropos right now. Mm. Did your mom make you talk about everything? How are you feeling? Why are you upset? I I don't feel like I mean in retrospect, yeah. yeah. And I she used to um like give us IQ tests. Like she was helping develop some of these like battery tests for in, like intelligence. Yeah. And so she would make us do those like for practice. Like a litmus for these tests. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
it never really bothered me that much. Yeah. I was just like, oh, this is normal. It's cool. It is. Um, probably is normal. Yeah. Do you feel like you have a complex now because you had to like... <laughs> no, you know, I, I think what it empowered me to do because of my mom's strength as a woman and stuff and... I don't mind asking questions. I don't ask. Mm. I don't mind asking tough questions. That's like, good. Yeah. You look like shit. Why? Right. Like I don't have a problem getting to the core of it. And I think you have that same frankness. Great. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it gives you a little bit of better toolkit, if you will, in communicating with people. Sure. Did you ever suspect? <laughs> did you ever think you were going to follow in those same footsteps, though? Being an author, writing, thinking about the human condition, people, and their passions. Um, no, I guess not. I mean, I always knew I wanted to do something creative. Yeah. Um, and the writing was, oh, I mean, it just, it, it came naturally, right? Sure. So I was pursuing film and visual arts and all that stuff. But in the meantime, you know, I was helping my mom with her manuscripts. And yeah. um, writing was always my favorite thing to do in school. So it was just kind of natural. Mm. It was a natural transition. Because when I, when I graduated from college, um, the film scene in Austin was it just wasn't as strong as it, it is, was let's not say now what year was that when you graduated you too um that was oh eight okay oh eight so at the time uh, texas wasn't doing very well with like tax incentives right um and so a lot of the big productions were going to louisiana and to michigan and right. um georgia georgia too, right? I was strange, yeah i yeah. think georgia um and so i was like well i don't know that i can maintain this you yeah. know it's like 12, 14 hour days. I didn't have a life outside of those productions. And <clears throat> um, and it would just be sporadic work. There'd only be one or two right. in town a year. And so like the idea of not having stable, like I need stability. Sure. Um, and so I ended up interning that summer at a, an architecture magazine. And then I got the job at the newspaper. No kidding. That so that's what it newspaper. was. So just yeah. less than a year later, you're writing for the Austin Statesman? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, like six months later. No kidding, that's yeah. pretty quick. Yeah. And they assigned you to what topic or what general So I was area? an assistant at first, uh -huh. an editorial assistant. And so I answered phones on the Metro desk. Uh -huh. And um, I put the obituaries together. Jeez, and, um, Yeah, that was fun. Is that the grunt work, though, when you get into a paper? Grunt work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like watch the 5 o'clock news and write down all the, like on every channel and watch... Um, like mark down every story that was on every channel and yeah. then like send it out in an email blast so everyone in the newsroom knows what's going on right no to way. make sure okay. we're not missing anything sure um i can't remember how long i was an assistant for but i was just like miserable it was, was, it, it was shitty stuff <laughs> yeah it was terrible um i put together the film listings like movie listings when there were movie listings yeah, in the newspaper i remember that Jeez. Be like, here's this theater and this, these are the movies that are or like That's here's this movie and here are the theaters that where it's playing Man. Yeah. So it I got out of that as fast as I could. But still at the Statesman, though. I was still at the Statesman. Um, I think one of the reasons I was hired was because I knew how to edit videos. Yeah. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Because were you doing they content were, for web or something for mm -hmm. them? Yeah. So I ended up as a multimedia producer. Oh, makes more yeah. sense. So I did a lot of videos. And then when you think about, I guess even in Austin, people don't know of your work, right? Maybe that's making, amplifying your, per, your personality, yeah. your persona. I don't know. But <laughs> they equate you to food drink and how do you feel now, like you yeah. kind of got into that particular niche it was an opportunity that i like i was looking at the coverage that was yeah. going on in austin at the time and in food and drink specifically sure. they had a drinks blog but it was kind of like just touched on beer mm. who's and, doing that uh yeah. patrick beach okay 
at the time. I think he might still be at the paper. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then I met David Allen and mm-hmm. the Tipsy Texans, and I took his Tipsy Tech course. Uh, Zach and I both took it because yeah. we needed, you know, a hobby. We needed sure. something to do. And you, so you'd already met Zach at this point. Yeah. So Zach and I met in college. No kidding. So he was a film major as well. I didn't realize yeah. that because he went into like finance and now he's into music, which right. makes more sense. Yes. Right? Yeah. The finance was just like, I need a job no kind of thing. I yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. It's actually kind of inspiring. You guys have stuck this out because your career has been very successful, but moved mm. you guys around a bit. Yeah. But I guess it makes sense. But yes, going back to Dave. I had a terrible run in him with him the first time I met him. And really? Our best mates. Yeah, it was. I was being such a dick. Aww. It's something I'll, t- I'll tell you about. <laughs> it. I was really, really like swinging my dick around. I was yeah. scared. Of course, that is not a literal thing. No, not. <laughs> That's an analogy. <laughs> that <laughs> would be a totally cowboy. different story. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps it would. But David and Joe are so lovely and they're mm-hmm. so giving. Yeah. They have given the gift of knowledge to us. Yeah. And at that point, you're kind of introduced through the Tipsy Texan class. Mm-hmm you're introduced to this larger community of people? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I met people in our class. I think um, Pam Pritchard Mm -hmm. was there before the Tigress had opened. She was learning, basically, how to do cocktails for the bar. Wow. Um, So was um, Jessica Sanders. Oh, Jessica was there? Mm -hmm. She she had just moved to Austin as well. No way. Um, Yeah, and so they were there learning about how to make cocktails for Drinkwell. Like Mindy uh, Cook. Kassan, I don't, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I ever she's pronounced. She's in Portland now, right? Yes, Doing yeah, she's in Portland Pelle, now. I think, yeah. She was in that class. No way. Yeah, it was like I think it was the first semester of Tipsy Tech, so there were a lot of Jason Stevens was in that class. No way. Yeah, so it really set a foundation, and I, I mean, little did I know, little did she know, um, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. that uh, that was like that was a pivot point. It's you know it's so cool that you looking back in one's life or even certain scenes like cocktail scene. You think about a certain place in time. We've been hanging out with Francisco a bit, right? Yeah. And then you talk about Bill Norris and stuff. And this is very Austin-centric. But these guys have had great impact outside of Austin in the hospitality and the booze industry. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Francisco with Vago and stuff. But you think about one place in time. Rachel yeah. Morocco, too, right? You think yeah. about Fino. Yeah. In, like, yeah. one month at that place. And you have five or six of the minds that have set the tone for yeah. the whole city's cocktail community. And it's totally. the same thing when you think about taking it with Jessica, Jason Stevens, yeah. Pam. You were part of this like really special dream. I call them the dream teams. Totally. You know? Totally. And you think if you had not been exposed to these folks or the wonderful teachings of Mr. David Allen right. and Joe Adler, that you would be doing this now? Probably not. So it was the Probably not. Point yeah. Point. It was the catalyst for sure. That's crazy. Because then I went, you know, I went back to work and, and I realized I went to one of my editors and I was like, listen, there's this whole like culture going on here. right now <laughs> this is this is really big and we're not covering it yeah and then i went to my first tales oh when it's so this shortly was thereafter like 2010 or something probably yeah wow yeah it was 10 because um i went to a seminar on mezcal and ron cooper was on it oh, and man. i can't remember who else but i was so inspired that was the first article i think i wrote for the statesman really was, on was it mm-hmm. what was kind of the nature of the article um it was i want to say it was just mostly an overview yeah. like what is mezcal and it's showing up in bars in austin and um it got published in the actual print edition that was my first print story that's amazing and also printed in spanish for our spanish really? language yeah insert wow. or it was like a weekly 
Spanish thing. That's a great start, though. And yeah. a co- not yeah. a coincidental one, but a fateful one. Exactly. You know, I didn't yeah. realize that that was the first and kind of this is the bookend sure to this chapter. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. What was the reception like to your writing and your coverage of this kind of topic? It was good. People were into it? Yeah, people were into it. I mean, it ended up getting me the column. Yeah. That's so, incredible. yeah. And I went whole hog with that, yeah. you know, I set up the Twitter and Facebook and started and started shooting cocktail photos and all that jazz. Quite so. a good photographer, too. Thank you. I didn't realize. I love that. I love yeah, shooting. I can tell. Like yeah. you, Some people, they'll take a picture and like, you don't, you don't even balance this thing out. It's like the focal <laughs> point is fucking all crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but then you got this kind of Kubrick-ish, kind of just centered, real, real nice way to do it. But the cool thing is now that I didn't realize is you've built this arsenal of creative tools that can mm. help support any project yeah. that you're doing. Yeah. And that suited you pretty well so far, I imagine. Yeah, yeah for sure. How long were you with the Statesman? I think I was there, I want to say five years. Wow. That's pretty big in paper, right? Yeah. Did you see things shifting tectonically in those five years in terms of drink culture and food and everything? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen... You know each category of drink, right? Because yeah. I don't just no right. You're and like cocktails, you've got everything going. Beer and um, less so wine. I'm not very good with the wine stuff. Yeah, just because I think my headspace is already so it's full with crowded, everything right? else. <laughs> yeah. like, I can't. Um, but yeah, it's funny to watch. It's funny to watch each one go through different cycles sure. and like different levels of maturity. Um, and most of the time, the people in these different industries don't even realize how similar they are sure in terms of you know their trajectories and stuff it's a it's like music right it's mm. like i'm listening to stuff that sounds like it was made in 85 yeah really? yeah but it just cycle and the same thing with the booze totally you know i don't know what's next it's not even really worth discussing but it's interesting yeah. to be amidst all of this stuff absolutely what yeah. was what kind of drove you to leave the paper um i was I, uh, so I moved around a lot as a kid, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and, and my family, they still move around a lot. I mean, they move around more than I do even. Wow. Um, and so we're, I'm not used to sitting still for very long. I understand that feeling. Um, so you know, I'd been in Austin for like eight years at that point, yeah. and I was itching to get out. And I wanted to do something bigger. I wanted to go to a bigger city. Right. I'd always wanted to live in New York. Um, and I always wanted to live in Chicago. Like I tried to go to school in Chicago, but I didn't. I didn't know yeah, that. I didn't get into the college there. So um, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. But I was ready to get up there. And at the time, my brother had moved there. Right there you go. He he's a musician, school. right? Or he works with the label. I can't remember. He's got. He's with Warner Brothers. That's right. Yeah, okay. music. And now he's out in LA. But he went to school in Chicago. So my brother yeah. was there. My cousin was there. Uh, my parents at the time, I think, were in Cleveland, yeah, which was close, close by. Yeah. But then they moved to the city too, so I was ready to be closer to my family. And um, and there were it just seemed like there were going to be so many more opportunities sure. for both me and Zach too, because um, you know he wanted to really get back into the music side of things. Right. Um, yeah, this finance so, will do that to you. I think. Yeah. You kind of rub you out and like, eh, yeah. Get back to the oh, creative. He just, yeah, he hated that. It's yeah, just he's, a suit he's such a creative soul, and he didn't have an outlet for it in Austin. Yeah. So, and he was born and raised here, and I think he was ready for an adventure as well. Yeah. So, so you guys picked up and moved after yep. eight years in Austin mm-hmm. to Chicago. And how long have you guys been there? You said it's like two or three years now. Over four. Oh shit! It's that long. This will be our fifth winter. Wow. Yeah. I Which just, is crazy, like mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. Yeah. 
of course, I'm self-centered. So I think, God, I've gotten older then. It seems like time has just flown by. It really is. You know? And I, li- I like that, and I don't <laughs> at the same time. But it seems like you've left a really nice imprint on Chicago already. Vast. And, we, you know, we just hung out together and visited. And it just even in, like, a quarter of a mile, mm. the amount of cocktail amazingness yeah. that you can get in Chicago blew my mind. Yeah. Austin, albeit my first love in terms of a city, cannot hold a candle to Chicago. And no. I didn't even realize. Yeah. Lost Lake, just alone. Yeah. It's like, holy <laughs> shit, this is an amazing, amazing thing. So kind of diving in, does it, do you even feel like you've touched even the first couple of pages of the Cocktail Bible of Chicago? It's hard because there are so many. I finally feel like, um, <coughs> excuse me. That's right. I finally feel like I'm in a place where I know people again. Yeah. Like I do feel like I'm part of the community now, which is nice because right. it, you know, it took a while to get there. Well, in like the whole first year, I basically didn't go to bars. I was like taking a break from drinking and yeah. um and doing. How dare you? How do I know? God, <laughs> taking care of myself. Who does that? Um, Fools. Yeah. Fools errands. No, it's kidding. But but yeah. So like now, I feel like I've got a pretty good grip. But even then, I mean, there's new places opening every week. Right. You it's know, so big and too. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really big city, and and there's so much amazing um, things going on right now. And it's hard because, unlike when I was in Austin, I'm not a local writer. Like, I'm not a local writer. I'm not covering Chicago. I can only cover so much Chicago Mm. because in Bibe we have a national focus. Right. So in in some ways, I think I would have gotten to where I am a lot faster had I just been writing about local bars. Right. Um, But, yeah, I think where I am right now is really good. So how much of your schedule, would you say, like in a year is about traveling and visiting these other kinds of mm-hmm. areas of cocktail hotspots, if you will? I mean, I try to travel as much as I can. Yeah. I mean, anytime an opportunity comes up, I, I jump on it. Um, I would say, I mean, for the last couple of years, I've I've squeezed in four or five trips a year at really? least. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, between work and, you know, just play. Right. Um, how is the culture out in vibe is it something that really fosters your creativity and allows you to pursue these things that you like and yeah you can give me a political answer say the look on your face and i love imbibe i mean imbibe's <laughs> great obviously they're yeah. a leader in the industry i get it yeah it's you know no, it everybody's got their problems right it is a wonderful place to work i think i'm at a slight disadvantage not being in the office yeah working remotely is is Where's difficult They're in Portland. They're in Portland. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, the office is in Portland. Our executive editor, Paul, is in Seattle. I see. um, And I'm in Chicago. So, like, we do Skype meetings and stuff. Yeah. Which is great. Um, But I am kind of, I'm just a little bit isolated. Right. It's not like that newsroom team, right? I would miss that, too. Working remote is a really strange thing. Yeah, it is really strange. I've got a job and I've got a team, but, like, I don't even know what they smell like. And I know that's weird, but that's really a thing where you're kind of like... No, it's true. How do you, you know, how do you really build the momentum? But Mm -hmm. this is modern, the digital media, you know, I mean, this is how this stuff works. Yeah. And it works. I mean, it does work. And I think we are doing good work, um, especially, like, in print these days. We've done some stories this year that um, have been a little bit more bold than in the past, and... Um, the reception has been really great. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, I mean, again, you know, at the edge, at the, the forefront of the industry, I'm, and Bob is there. And I am just working desperately to be on that top 40 list or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what can I, what can I, yeah, that's yeah. right. What can I do <laughs> to get a nice photo taken up of me? <laughs> it's been a while since I've had a nice photo and I've cleaned up, you know. 
And maybe someday we'll see. We'll see yeah, what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, you know the right people, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know anybody who works at him? Oh, shit, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense that creatively in terms of milestones and achievements that a book is a very logical next step in your career. Yeah. And mezcal is a very logical step in terms of how delicious it is and how rich <laughs> the content can be. Yeah. And the people, too, right? Mm-hmm. So when did you kind of start formulate this idea of making and writing a mezcal book? Well, I actually came to it kind of backwards. Um, I mean, you know, I mentioned like my first story was on mezcal, like I've been following it, um, you know, getting to know the people, getting to know the brands. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, the publisher approached me. Mm. Yeah. Um, (coughs) My editor uh, had read a story that I wrote on mezcal bars yeah. and said, hey, I've been interested in this idea for a while. Like, what do you think it has legs? Like, do you think this could be a book? And right. I was like, oh, hell yeah. And he was like, do you want to do it? And I was like, um... Oh, hell maybe. Yeah, it was pretty much <laughs> like that. And I almost said no, because I just didn't feel like... I was like, how am I qualified to do this? I yeah. don't feel like I'm, you know, there are better experts out there who could do this. And but are there as good a writers, though? It's an interesting question you should ask yourself. True. Because, yeah, there's people that <coughs> yeah. are they're, they're wealths of knowledge, but yeah. can they really form a narrative, you know? Well, and ultimately, yeah, I said, you know what, my job as a journalist is to, uh, how do you say it? Well, to, to not fake it, but, right. you know, like, like discover as you go sure. kind of thing. No prejudgment, no it. assumptions, uh-huh. right? Yeah. yeah. So I went in, so I, yeah, I was like, of course I'm going to do this. I can't not do this. Yeah. It just felt like it was the right thing to do. And it was uh, cool talking about, talking with you through that process. Yeah. Like, I've got this much done. I've got this much yeah. done. What is it supposed to look like? And, and it all now, happened really quickly. How, in terms of that process, about how long did that take to get it from cover to back? From like, from start to finish, it was a little bit over a year. Wow. Is that normal for a book typically? I don't um, know. I think it varies. Yeah. I mean, across the board. Um, uh, Fred Minnick is on he's has books on the same publisher and so oh, cool. we were talking last night and, and he says he's averaging about a book a year right now. Really? I think most people would like to have more time than that and I know I mean um, I ran into someone was telling me here a few days ago that the other Mezcal book that came out uh-huh. shortly after mine the, the one in the UK yeah. I think it's called Mezcal Experience um, oh it was Yvonne he said he had talked to Tom, the author, yeah. um, like seven years ago. Oh, no so he way. started his research forever ago. Right. And just now finally got it yeah. out. Yeah. So yeah. in fact, you know, just over a year, that's a pretty good turnaround for this. Mm-hmm. And it really had to come yeah. out fast, in my yeah. opinion, because yeah. the questions, embracing the culture and protecting it to some extent, needed to really be said. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've seen pieces of the book and I've read over people's shoulders for sure. So I'm not going to try to fake this. What is you think one of the key like every writer has their thumbprint in their writing mm. maybe it's ornate and misogynistic dialogue like Hemingway maybe it's talking about simple folk like John Steinbeck but what is in this book what is the thing that Emma is pushing through this maybe a message that you really mm-hmm. feel strongly about um, I mean I wanted to put people there I wanted to put the reader there with the people who are making it Yeah. Um, because I felt like and, and even then, in retrospect, I, I would have, 
you always want to do things better than you did them, of course, right? Right. Um, but yeah, the goal was to give a give the voice to them yeah. and and not make it about me. I've, I've read plenty of spirits books that are like very much about the writer. Sure. You know, yeah. this is what I did, and this is the first time I had mezcal, and like I'm so cool, <laughs> you know. And I didn't want it to be like that. I yeah. wanted people to get a sense for the place and the culture, and um, that was my main intention yeah it's amazing yeah because it is so it's so interesting dude it is it's such a rich culture and um i i didn't feel like anyone was was really talking about it in that way right i i think we both have that same passion for the people yeah you know they have these stories and all i want to do is hear the stories yeah maybe i can ask a couple questions to bring it out but otherwise i don't give a shit about me i just want to hear these things yeah getting to talk to some of the fine people like the parada brothers from uh, ray campero Mm -hmm. and sanchez mezcal you just like why can't i hang out with these guys more often but of yeah. course they're in this place this foreign land that's almost hard well actually no it is hard sure. to actually drive to it's yeah. really difficult you <laughs> yeah know? it is a, that is a treacherous road it's that is a scary insane. drive yeah i experienced <laughs> yeah. that once with judah and i'm like i think he's gonna kill i mean I'll, i'm that's all right scary. i made peace <laughs> with stuff but i think we're gonna tipple yeah. tip off this fucking mountain but yeah. it's an interesting thing and in a way it's it's oh it is safe it's absolutely safe to like go into these things but uh, there is some this essence of peril yeah. right as a writer they're going <laughs> to sure. strange and foreign yeah. places well as we sit you know of course it's eleven thirty six on a Saturday at the San Antonio cocktail conference but you brought some tacos thank you so much and I brought some mezcal because I just felt it was a suitable pair yeah. this is a brilliant one there's a gift from Judah he mm. was so so great to see him he's actually in San Antonio he doesn't make it out to Texas all that much. And we were hanging out with him last night, and we are drinking yeah. an Espadín Bien Picado, overripe Espadín, I think is what that means, with Tobala Colas, so some tails. And this is brilliant stuff at about 54%, and I can't think of a better really person good. to sip yeah. this with. Salud on this. In your travels, mm. in your chronicling, mm-hmm. are there any particular personalities that stick out to you as peep women or men that's like, I want to hang out with that person more. Oh, man, so many. I'm sure. So, so many. Um, Just because it's on my brain, because I saw him a lot this week, uh, Mm. Tomas Estes. Mm. Mm -hmm. He's just such a force. Yeah. You know? It's kind of incredible, actually. Yeah. When he spoke up in that seminar yesterday, and they're like, you know, the question was, you know, do you think that tequila should have two DOs, right? Mm -hmm. Should you have one for the highlands and one for the lowlands? And he goes into this beautiful, eloquent, like not uh, rant is not the right word, but soliloquy, soliloquy, right? (laughs) About how, you know, he wants to promote love and innovation in the industry and, and not mass marketing, mass, you know, production. And um, he's just, so passionate. He is a and sage, interesting. Man. Yeah. You know, yeah. I always think, and I've we've talked about this again this week, but I've had the pleasure of sitting down with him for a few hours, one on one, and talk about sex, Amazing. talk about drugs, yeah. talk about music, talking about him seeing Frank Zappa in like Denmark in the '60s and shit, or '70s, but it blew my mind. Yeah. Know? He's this kind of guy, but I, I feel like there aren't a lot of people that are actually really like him. He's like Socrates or Aristotle, yeah. right? <laughs> His words have so much gravitas. He's an index. He was yeah. an English teacher. Yeah. He has an absolute command and mastery of He's the English presence. language. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, that's true. I totally feel that about Tomas. Yeah. And he's a very special person. And how do you feel about just this 
gamut of personalities that are in this mess gal industry. I mean, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's so wonderful. And because, you know, because it's not, um, you know, I don't know how to put it. It's not like an American spirit category where... Right. Whiskey is a, yeah, those guys are kind of a certain way. Now, there's some, obviously some amazing women doing it too, but there's right. still, whiskey's kind of a certain thing. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of ego right. in American spirits without the same soul. That's right. And, and you know, when you talk to Mescal, people who are involved in the industry down there, um, they have that they are that they are that culture right you know um well the the spirit you know it's interesting is that whiskey is really a status symbol yeah. not all of it and right. of course we meet people that are very passionate but about i do whiskey. feel like increasingly yes yeah yeah i agree but mezcal is the the people themselves yeah it is their blood mm -hmm. and sweat and tears and love and yeah. a bottle yeah when you're making amazing bourbon, obviously it's industrialized. The The human factor is not as personal and intimate as mm -hmm. it is with mezcal. So I think you get people that are true artists mm. that you can talk to them about their art. And they feel yeah. that way, right? Like creators and lovers and mm -hmm. just very passionate folks. Yeah. And that can sound, yeah, and I agree. I think when I say it out loud, sometimes it sounds a little pretentious. You think? Kind of. Um, because... It is also like, I don't know. It's it's part of who they are, right? Yeah. And it's not necessarily like, oh, we're making this because we're artists. Right. That's not what it is. No, they're, you're right. They're making yeah. it, and it is beautiful sure. because that's what it is. You know, because yeah, because of the way they're doing it. Right. You're absolutely that right. They're sense. not sitting in front of a canvas to to create something. Right. They merely are creating something. Yeah. It's like being a musician or playing music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like. No, I live and breathe music. I don't care if you listen. I don't care if we talk about it. I just have to do mm. this thing. And for them, it's second nature. Yeah. It's been a pretty interesting road. Did you enjoy the travels and all the interviews and getting all that info? Yeah, absolutely. I wish um, I want to do it again. Of course. Like, you know, I don't feel like I had, there's never enough time, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, I would love to, I'm trying to get back down there, um, trying to figure out what projects I can be involved with that, mm can continue to, you know, document um, and promote and preserve their culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the interesting thing is there's a, du a dual, rather a twofold purpose, not purpose, a twofold value to the book. Mm. Obviously, there's plenty of information. You're covering lots of people. But I think now more than ever, a woman's perspective, mm. a powerful woman in a really male-dominated industry, agave is typically, now there yeah. are some amazing female mescaleros, but few and far between, comparatively. Mm -hmm. You, I'm not saying you have a responsibility, but you now are in a really powerful and important position mm. to show that this industry is about knowledge and love and acceptance, and mm. it doesn't have to be male-dominated. Do you feel any responsibility or any weight of that having done the book now um <clears throat> i don't feel so much of it being a responsibility or like a weight yeah. in any way um more it's more so just what i do you yeah. know what i mean it's just like a mescalero mescalero in that sense right uh yeah I, you know yeah. i'm not thinking about it. i just have to right. do this thing this is and and finding female voices 
um, within that culture as well, you know, when I was writing the book, I was like, well, I want, I wanted as many perspectives as sure. possible. And, and maybe it was even less so about gender so much as it was about different perspectives. Diversity and stuff. So I talked to the distributors. I talked to the actual mescaleros. I yeah. talked to their, you know, the brand owners, the, um, all of the people who are involved because they all bring together a different piece of the tapestry together. Yeah, it's an amazing yeah. thing. I like that because you, I don't know, it's just unbiased. You're really like a documentarian in that way. Mm. Mm -hmm. Here's the camera. I'm just going to put as many different kinds of people yeah. in front of it as possible. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to get a full picture. Yeah. And so. I think that some people probably would take it in a different way and not want to paint a full picture. Mm. You know, they're very probably dogmatic about it. Well, and I do feel like a lot of Spirits books are just about the drink right you know and not about necessarily what goes into it yeah so so the reception for the book and the popularity and doing the book tours and stuff this being new stuff for your career pretty content with it thus far yeah 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 i mean it's been good um people the reception has has been pretty good mm. um it's hard it's always hard to gauge yeah. you know everyone's like oh i loved it and i'm like yeah but did you yeah uh. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I've given books to some of the people, you know, who helped me, you sure. know, with interviews and, and helped me put it together. And I'm like, okay, honest feedback. Give me honest feedback. And yeah. they're always like, yeah, yeah. And then they never do. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's hard. So, yeah. yeah. And I get it. I mean, that's, that's hard. I guess for some people, it's hard to say. Should it be? I don't know. Can you be honest with me? Sure. I mean, I'm, no, yeah. really? Well, maybe not. I love giving feedback. Yeah. I, love, I think it's important. I love critiquing stuff. Because I want, I want my work to be better. Right? That's like, how I want feedback. How do you get better if you, give, if, like, if you right. operate in a bubble, how can you ever get better? Exactly. And it, you could say it's art is art, but some mm -hmm. of these mezcals could be better, in my opinion, of mm -hmm. how my palate is. Right? Sure. But the, it's just an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. I know that we've been talking about cider a little bit too. Yeah. Perhaps as a new project for you. Is this Hopefully. maybe book number two? Hopefully. I'm really into it. Um, you know, it's the same um, core. Uh, it's the same essence that drew me to Mescal yeah. is drawing me to American cider right now. Yeah. There's a really cool story um, happening with producers who are looking at what's available in the cider world and saying you know most of this is crap <laughs> and we want to make something better sure. and cider there is a history of cider in america absolutely that a lot of people don't think about or know about or anything right and so there are amazing producers who are doing things like um working with heirloom varieties of apple mm. um trying to bring back these kinds of apples that were used to make cider right like they are still in france yes right? so exactly I learned something interesting the other day when I thought about you because I didn't realize that apple being American is apple pie. You know that sentiment, right? right? Yeah. That that actually drove the older varietals of apples out because yeah. you're like, oh, pie, we got to make pie. We got to right. go the sweeter version. Yeah. And thus then you miss all the nuance and all these different varieties. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting story and to I dive think, into. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of the ciders that are out there these days are not super interesting yeah. and too sweet. And um, it's because they're using baking apples yeah right apples that are not intended to make cider there's no funk right you need some funk sometimes totally you get that totally. you go to normandy and whatnot and you get yeah. Some funk. yeah is it a green light on the book or no. is it still pitching it it's still in limbo mm. yeah i'm not sure um i'm not sure where i i that's my goal for this month is to kind of rejigger the mm. 
the approach, I think it needs a little bit tweaking. Um, I want to do the photos again. Yeah. So I feel like that's, um, that's part of the deal for me. Yeah, that's I awesome. did all the photos for Mescal and I, I like doing that almost more than writing. Well, <laughs> so it saves writing the money too, if you think about it. Saves uh, apparently a lot of money. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So Photography isn't hard if you've had practice. And well, and I've been working on it for forever. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I took a photography class in high school and I've been shooting since. So. It's amazing. It is a process. All in one. You're like a one-man band. Trying. One woman band, yeah. Trying to hold it together. Well, so I got two questions left for you. And this was probably a whole lot easier than maybe you thought it was. And I know, you know, it's cool. It is, it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> it's like, okay, no. It's, good. it's, good. it's like when, the, when you first get on a plane, you're like, is this yeah. takeoff going to be rough? It's like, Shh, okay. All right, yeah. we're good. We're good. I think about, and I ask everybody on the show this question, and let's say you're sipping this exact mezcal, this bien picado, anywhere in the world, doesn't mm. matter where, but you can have a conversation and sip this mezcal with any person living mm-hmm. or deceased. Who might that be? Mm. Well, I think my favorite thing to do to when, when it comes to drinking um, you know, is going back to that sense of place thing again. Yeah. I want to be in the correct context. Of course. So I would like to be out at the Palenque. Yeah. Anybody in particular? With the maestro, obviously. Any, any of them? Any, well, uh, who made this one? Oh, this is Zaccolino. Okay, yeah. He's That'd such be, a character. Dude, he's, he's b- so the wonderful. Lee Marvin of Mescalero. So <laughs> that's, how, that's how I look at it. Like, kind of rough and chiseled. Yeah. I have a picture with him that I will never forget. Yeah. And I'm like, this is going on the wall kind of thing. He's Bro. he's a very like no bullshit. Fuck no shit, man. But really interesting. Yeah. He doesn't Super have to smart. talk about his achievements. He's just right. lived it. Yeah. Very virile guy. I like him. <laughs> Having kids like into his fifties and stuff. You gotta yeah, love that seriously. too. Seriously. Yeah. It's amazing. Well then the last question, of course, you can start working at least rejiggering, as you mm. said, the cider book and this apple focus. Yeah. Anything else on the horizon for you here in the next few months? Um oh what am I doing? Yeah, I'm rethinking the cider thing. I'm trying to think about a few other ideas. Um, I'm going to start shooting photos for bars, oh, cool. cocktail photos for bars. I'm yeah. um, going to try and get into that in Q1, as they say in yes, the business world. Of course. Um, I just, I want to, you know, I work from home, so I want to get out a little yeah. bit more and kind of strengthen my relationships in the Chicago scene and mm-hmm. then, but also like keep my skills sharp. So I want to do that. Um, and I want, yeah, I mean, I think this year I want to keep, you know, keep imbibe web going strong, yeah. um, but also make sure I get enough creative side projects because last year was a very dry year on the I side projects side. It's like side. really, really hard to, to yeah, because you've got to be creative, you can tell. Yeah, yeah. If you don't, you probably burst. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good, you know, I'm glad we finally did this. I'm yeah. glad we had some tacos, some mezcal. And it's a really beautiful day. Hopefully, we'll enjoy the rest of this weekend. So it's great catching up. Yeah, thanks for having me on on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. Talk soon. Yep. Well, there we have it. The brilliant Emma Jansen, a creative mind, a great writer, and a wonderful friend. It's great to see her work finally being recognized in such an amazing way. You know, this passion for mezcal that we all share is captured perfectly now in the James Beard Foundation nominated book, Mescal, the history, craft, and cocktails of the world's ultimate artisanal spirit. We get to talk about all these kinds of things, you know, in San Antonio and known Emma for quite some time. And it's great to finally hear the story and where this inspiration for spirits comes from for food and just 
for writing. She is a pure writer and is very refreshing to see in this social media-laden era. So Emma, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me. I can't wait to see you and Zach in Chicago very, very soon. And thank you for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how heartbroken you were to watch the series finale of Parks and Rec, or if you're thinking, man, J.P. Getty was really kind of a dick, and you guys should watch All the Money in the World, great movie, please be thankful.